Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We certainly do, and sometimes songs we talked about before in the past come back to not haunt us, but deepen our understanding of songs that we're talking about today. I have more on that, but first, I'm your host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here, as always, with the fandiferous Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Why, hello! I'm ready to curse. Uh, I should hope so, and specifically, I hope you're ready to uh, converse, it rhymes, about uh, an a uh, assertion, a bold assertion that you made just last week in our whole Live Through This ranking episode. Let me refer you to your remarks on I Think That I Would Die. You guys, you want to talk about some surprises that come in a ranking episode? I had no idea how much I was going to fucking love hearing this song again. That might be the greatest fuck you in the history of recorded music, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, really? Oh, you, I don't think you have ever brought receipts to an episode I, like this before. I love so it. funny because a uh, little uh, peek behind the curtain here, listeners, we tend to record these in chunks of uh, three or four um, all at once, a couple weeks in advance. So sometimes the one that you just heard, an episode you just heard is something that we had recorded three weeks ago, a month ago. So I, I think that when Mark selected today's song, he had no memory of saying this about that whole song because we did record that several weeks ago in Showtime. Um, that's a big old Moebius of um, the timeline stuff. But anyway, the point is that we are talking about a song today called Fuck You by CeeLo Green. Mark, why did you pick this song and do you have any comments about your comments i first of all feel like i am on some sort of 60 minutes gotcha journalism oh, special and you like wheeled around in your chair and you're like so senator blankenship you said on december 8th 1971 that that hole had delivered the best fuck you what do you say to that and i then i'm like oh uh, 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 well what i mostly remember is that uh, the intern uh, assured me that she was 18 years old and um, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it so much. Uh, I um I actually will say If I didn't edit these, that would have just gone right past me. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you had to you were listening closely to what we were saying. Well, here's the thing. first of all, I loved hearing that clip of that song again. I stand by my choice of putting that second on my ranking. I still love it. I still acknowledge that the listeners gave it no votes. That's fine. 
Um, I do think perhaps the individual use of fuck you in I Think That I Would Die is perhaps still the greatest single usage of fuck you in recorded music history. However, the reason that I chose to discuss fuck you by CeeLo Green is because the extended multiple uses of fuck you are so satisfying in a cumulative way. Uh, I would even actually pause it. That these yes. two fucks you <laughs> side <laughs> by side are kind of a um, uh, like the two sides of the Mark and Sarah coin. That the mm. Courtney Love version is the much more um, lady rage, um, unalloyed by uh, humor or references, uh, just like a volcanic scream. Uh, of fury that is much closer to my personality than it is to yours. <laughs> and that CeeLo's very sunny, almost like surf poppy, um, Motowny, uh, bubbly string of fucks you is much closer to your personality that you're like, even if I'm telling somebody to kick rocks, I'm going to do it in this, um, smiling arms wide open way maybe I'm you wrong. know you you've actually saved me like five minutes of exposition at the top of this episode by putting it that way i think you're exactly right one of the reasons i love this song so much is that he is having such a good time telling everybody and their mama off mm-hmm. and his joy overcomes his rage in a way that is so infectious that i can't get enough of this song. Well, that's not true. You and I had been IMing about this. I had had more than enough of this song because it was played constantly. Oh, God, it, was it was everywhere. Su- it was everywhere. It was in the Forget You edited version and the Fuck You yep. original. And I heard this song for the first time, I think the day that it was released on YouTube as a lyric video, because I can remember being the only person who seemed to have heard it for like a good two weeks, and then suddenly it started to get more popular. So I had been in the tank for this song for so long. I played it and played it and played it and played it, and then finally I just couldn't anymore. But it's been a that song came out in 2010. By 2012, I had put it in the deep freeze, and apparently a seven-year break is what I needed because now I've been able to come back around and really enjoy it. And without further ado... Let's listen to a clip of the very thing that we're discussing. Here is CeeLo's Fuck You. I guess he's an Xbox and I'm more Atari. But the way you play your game ain't fair. I picture the fool that falls in love with you. Uh, 
I was so happy to hear this again, and I really was not sure. You and I were talking about this, that I was not sure that I was going to respond positively to it again because it really was like there was a point in every evening, whether you're at the deli getting more half and half and the forget you version plays, or you're at someone's house for a dinner party, and once everybody's all lit up, then it's time to get out the um, the iPod shuffle. We're old. And uh, queue up, fuck you. Or you're in the bar and they have a jukebox and someone's like, I just broke up with someone and it was a good thing, but it's still a little recent and now he's dating someone else. So here's the fuck you. Like, it was just too much for like a year at least. Um, and I was like, "Is has it been in deep freeze long enough? And it has. It, yeah, I feel so, the same way. It's so much fun. The references to like Tears of a Clown is one uh, comparison that that song is like, you know, he's talking about Pagliacci and like, I'm actually miserable. There's tears streaming down my face, but I'm out here dancing for you. And that song is like very up and peppy. But if you pull the words out and you don't know the music, you're like, Jesus, is this guy, can someone do a wellness check on this guy? (laughs) Like, this is not good. Um, uh, AM radio is another song it sort of reminded me of. Um, not really. And by in, Everclear? Yeah. Oh, good reference. Not really yeah. in the content, but in the, like... The, the bouncy sound. Yeah, and just talking about, like, yeah, my childhood was sort of annoying, and we weren't allowed to watch the TV we wanted to watch, and then here's this uh, sort of jazzy track about it. Um, like Stevie Wonder, Temptations, all of those references are in there to that sound that um while the sound of fuck you is sort of like masking or contrasting with the lyrics that original style of music often contrasted with artists really getting screwed over Mm -hmm. um racism sexism harassment of all kinds uh we've talked about it in past episodes like oh we'll just sub in someone else's voice and you're just never going to get paid good luck to you right so um there's there's that aspect of it and yet i'm just bobbing my head and chair dancing while i'm listening to it at the same time so it really works on all levels and it came back around i took a break it was what we both needed and it worked (laughs) i feel the same way i am refreshed and, re- and, and I am happy to be reminded of CeeLo's virtuosity in performing this song. One of the things that makes it so delightful for me is just what a great vocal it is. And also the the types of performance that he gives in a single song. Like there's the great high notes of the Motown era that he is able to evoke. And then in the bridge, which I didn't clip, but when he's screaming like, why? Why? Yes, or when he says, like, faux bereft, like, ah. Yes. <laughs> it's just so over the top. It's like it's drag. So oh. And then it, also, I love the way that he's like, go on and run and tell your little boyfriend. <laughs> and it just, the way and that he just is, the pronunciation of fuck you. Yes, the hard K. So chewy, love it. He's and it's the fact that he's so clearly enjoying himself. And I, I think that we've probably all been there when we see that someone in our lives is treating us poorly, 
but we don't care enough to be upset, but we're still able to say, hey, fuck that guy. Yeah. That guy sucks. <laughs> There's just something very ex- powerful and nice about being unbothered by someone's fuckery. And uh, I just think that this the surprise of this song is now new to me again, even though, of course, it can never surprise me the way it did the first time I heard it. But the 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 class and elegance of the construction letting you know that it's all kind of a goof is one of the things that make it so wonderful and surprising because it would be obvious for a song called fuck you to be rageful and filled with 90s sad boy guitars but instead (laughs) we get the bounce and swagger which is another important word for describing the song of a doo-wop r&b motown classic And I think it's also no surprise when one looks at the credits list for this song to see that Bruno Mars co-wrote it. (laughs) No, there's no surprise there at all. Like, the king of bouncy pastiche with a little modern edge is Bruno Mars. So he was a great addition to this uh, track. From what I read, actually, CeeLo came in and Bruno Mars and his uh, producing and writing partners had already started this, but they weren't sure if they were ever going to release it. But CeeLo just kind of went for it, and then one thing led to another, and here we are. You know what else is interesting about this, too, in terms of the way it's constructed, is that if you look at the more um, emo, fuck you style, uh, there is a build to it, and the song, the narrative makes you wait for that climactic... Mm -hmm. Um, kiss off or push back or whatever you want to call it. It's in the Courtney Love um, vocal that we just heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also in something like This is the Last Day of Our Acquaintance by Sinead O'Connor, oh, where God. that is an yes. extremely satisfying, slow crescendo um, to the point where um, my college roommate Estelle and I had a whole like video that we had scripted to go with it i don't know if there was actually a video maybe there was there wasn't but i'm tell me more that uh it's just two um it's like two people sitting very quietly through it's like a navy blue filter and they're obviously in an attorney's office and they're finalizing Mm -hmm. their divorce and then occasionally there's this like moody slow-mo flashback to whatever caused them to get divorced and to them packing up the house that they used to share and their dog is sad in the corner in his dark blue bed. He's like, why are mom and dad fighting? And then as you get to that, that moment where um, all of the instruments come in and cut it. Yes. The angry acoustic guitar. At the end, you are alternating between close-ups on the woman's face and this sequence of, um, like adios rage fucking that's happening on the attorney's desk. And it's unclear whether this is actually happening or whether she's just, um, just imagining it or fantasizing it and then on the last on the last chord it's just her signing the papers and then it's unclear whether you know she fucked in both ways or just just on paper so oh that is a really good idea for that video it almost feels like had there been a video it would have to have been that concept yeah i mean but it's Sinead like her the way that her it, like her version of her own narratives is not 
what you would necessarily assume. Well, exactly. Being a fellow creature of Earth, but bless her heart, as they say. Well, just one more sidebar about that song. What I love about that song, and I learned and became a devotee of that entire album in my car you have to really turn up the beginning of the last days of our the last day of our acquaintance to hear it yeah and then the song gets louder and louder and you've already got the volume up so that by the time those instruments come in it blows your speakers out and it's awesome yeah it's just so satisfying and sometimes you're at uh, one of those big um, not sort of around New York, but one of those huge like four-way intersections where it's like three lanes in every direction. And yes. you just have to sit there for like 12 minutes at a red light. And it's like, whatever you are blasting, you have to live with the choice and own it to everybody else in the intersection who is not moving. That's right. And that has happened to me a couple of times. I think I was in Richmond and it was just like f- visibly rattling the mirrors of the car and it's like you know what i am i am what i am oh ho ho yeah uh but yes conversely i believe your point was going to be CeeLo drops his fuck you in the first line of the song i just realized i didn't actually make my point which is that he does not make you wait for the fuck you that he's just like this song is called fuck you and i'm just gonna get one out in like eight bars hi yes you yeah, it's so good. And I, I, I used the word drag earlier, and I realized that it is so appropriate for CeeLo's whole career. There's a drag aesthetic at work where he's just so over the top in the way that he expresses these very relatable feelings that they become they become more powerful through their lunacy, in a way. Wasn't he the he's, one he's, who was on The Voice with a cat? in his lap yes always and the giant rings and the cat and always the glasses Mm -hmm. yes yeah and he would have when he would have people come to his apartment for their sessions he would always talk about their spirit vibrations and all this shit and it's just never clear how much he means it which is so wonderful yeah and um on patreon we asked the patrons to vote on their favorite of the three big hits that CeeLo has brought into the world. One is Fuck You. One is the song Crazy by Gnarls Barkley, which is the duo that he formed with Danger Mouse. And Gnarls Barkley was always being photographed in ironic costumes. The two of them would be dressed like Marty McFly and Doc Brown, or they would be dressed like Pinky and the Brain, or whatever. And obviously (laughs) the name Gnarls Barkley is a joke in and of itself. So there's Crazy... Fuck you. And then he also wrote and produced the song Don't Ya by Pussycat Dolls. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? I mean, of course he did. And I just think those three songs together tell you a lot about the the single artist behind them. Mm, agree. And um, interestingly, the vote for CeeLo songs from the patrons was overwhelmingly in favor of Crazy by Gnarls Barkley, and that is a great song. But to me, to me, there is just more to sink your teeth into with Fuck You in terms of the type of stuff that we talk about on this show. Uh, but I do want to acknowledge, I see you uh, patrons, for instance, Kelly M. wrote, I love Crazy so much, and I discovered when perusing Gnarls Barkley's album that they did a cover of Violent Femmes' Gone Daddy Gone, which was unexpected, and I liked them more for that fair that's Mm -hmm. a great song and there's a good video for it 
That being said, um, I have no kick with Crazy. I actually quite like it. I really like both of the Norrell's Barkley albums, but Fuck You is uh, it's a song after my heart. Well, and Crazy and the album that it came off of is one that I don't think, like if I came back to that now, I think I'd be like, mm. I understand why I, you know, why this was in constant row for me and the rest of the culture for several months, but I'm still all set. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I can't swear to that. And like the album is still on my, in my iTunes library. So it's not like at some point I was like, fuck you and <laughs> kicked it off but that one does seem like it belonged to a particular time and there's certain yeah there's certain um like albums and songs that like maybe they need maybe they need a really a long time like i was driving home from an errand today and a george harrison track came on and i was like okay it i have not heard this in 25 years and now i'm finally ready to get my mind set on you i was going to ask if that was the song yeah Yeah. because talk about a song that was unavoidable oh god and that got my mind set on retrospect was like oh my god like what the taxidermy and he's in that busted armchair like why (laughs) and the moose head is singing along at one point (laughs) and of course i being um in the fifth grade around this time like so many fifth graders bought the Weird Al Yankovic album that parodied that song. Uh-huh. This song is just six words long. This song is just six words long. Um, so I heard it that way, too. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes uh, sometimes Weird Al's version is better. Yeah. You know, we've never talked about Weird Al on this show. It's not the worst idea. I, I agree. I mean, we should take this offline, but um, listeners, if you have suggestions for which Weird Al track we should talk about, um, I'm really old school, um, so I would go with Yoda if I had to pick right now. (laughs) (laughs) I think that I would... Well, we'll we'll talk about that later. Oh, this is a good point to remind the listeners, hey, y'all. We are going to be recording a live episode on Thursday, November 7th at a fantastic whiskey distillery in Brooklyn called the Van Brunt Stillhouse. And if you would like to join us, we would love to see you. You can get a ticket to see us do a live episode at mastus.eventbrite.com. We are going to be using that live episode to rank songs called Hold On... And before the recording of the episode, we're also going to do an hour-long meet-and-greet so that we can grab cocktails, talk to each other, talk to everyone in the Masses community. We would love to have you. And there are not that many tickets to this event, and we've sold, I'm happy to say, quite a few, but we do still have tickets left. So do think about joining us. We would love to have you at our first-ever live episode recording, mastus.eventbrite.com. Well done. And yeah, thanks. That was a spontaneous commercial. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> meet and greet is a perfect opportunity to talk about um, "fuck you" in the pop culture lexicon, um, and particularly the pop music lexicon. To make Weird Al suggestions, to object to various rankings that we may not even remember having done. Mark, I don't know if you know this, but we ranked the Indigo Girls album. It was like ten years ago. I do remember we didn't that. Even know yes. each other and we still managed to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we 
One of the things that I actually think is apropos about bringing up Weird Al in a CeeLo episode is that there aren't that many stars who make a career out of not seeming to take anything that seriously. But both CeeLo and Weird Al seem to have managed to create an entire persona in the public where it doesn't seem like they're really that bothered. And I think it's very refreshing in a music world where authenticity and extreme seriousness often are perceived to be the same thing to have a few bright lights who are just here to be in on the joke and the lunacy of it all. And even someone like Sia, who of course I love is very aware of the performative aspect of celebrity. And she wears that wig and we've talked about Sia on the show before, but she is still a very serious artist in the sense that a lot of her songs are not meant to be fun or even her fun songs are kind of knowingly fun. And it's like, she's deconstructing the idea of enjoying a pop song while she's singing cheap thrills. But I just appreciate that CeeLo is always here to be having a good time. And this is one of the reasons also that I have been toying forever with the idea of bringing in a song by Flo Rida but I feel like I can make the point here without having to talk about a Flo Rida song because there's really not that much to say. But Flo Rida is an artist who's had so many hit songs, and he's never done anything except just try to get the party started. And CeeLo, obviously, is doing something a lot more sophisticated and a lot more constructed and worthy of study in a seminar. But they're at the end of the day, they're just part of that array of very talented people who mostly just want us to get down and get funky. But CeeLo, of course, also does it with exquisite musicianship. But still, it's a it's a club that I think is good to belong to. And perhaps this comes back to why, Sarah, you correctly noted that in the fuck you personality test, I land in a definite ERNJ, which is, of course, CeeLo. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think that also, and I was thinking about this because I was listening to a podcast for another podcast that I do, and I was thinking about why um, a certain style of true crime podcast, which is basically like two people talking to each other about various crimes or true crime properties and then kind of like making jokes and riffing with each other, doesn't always work for me. And um, mm-hmm. part of it is that there can be a flipness with which the crimes are treated that I am not comfortable um yeah i'm not comfortable doing it and i'm not completely comfortable hearing it but the other thing is that sometimes they don't really know what they're talking about and when they're sort of making jokes at the expense of someone involved in a crime but they don't have the facts correct that's Mm. i'm like well but now this isn't funny because i having read all the books that you didn't even go on Wikipedia to read a summary of um, like this is factually incorrect. So not only is it mean spirited, it's also wrong. So mm-hmm. the, the fact that um, CeeLo and Weird Al both have a depth of knowledge of like 
pop music history of the specific yes. pop music that they're referring to or parodying uh that they are excellent musicians themselves like that principle that you can't send up what you don't have down is absolutely yes. like the best thing i ever heard or read anywhere and it's absolutely true here that is a big part of it their willingness to just have fun at their own expense as well as with the genre that they're in sure but these are extremely professional musicians who know what they're doing and they could make yes. a version of the thing like if the parody of the thing is indistinguishable from the thing either it's a soap opera cuz that's always true or you're dealing with somebody who's very knowledgeable and experienced and you can absolutely tell that from like the fifth note of fuck you yeah that you're like this and is somebody who has like stereo optic vision mm-hmm. of this lane and is just going to cover the whole thing and it's going to be super fun well and that speaks to the depth of CeeLo's own catalog, because he has made every conceivable type of music. He was in the Goody Mob, so there's some old-school hip-hop for you. Narles Barkley goes in all kinds of directions. We know that they covered Violent Femmes. That's very much a rock cover. There's no question that that's a rock song, especially, and, and when they do it, it still is. But there's also alternative rock. There's uh, soul, R&B, hip-hop. All of that is in Narles Barkley. On the album The Lady Killer, that also features Fuck You... He covers the song No One's Gonna Love You by the band Band of Horses, which is another alt-rock band mm-hmm. that I like. And his cover of Nobody's Gonna Love No One's No One's Gonna Love You, Nobody's Gonna No One's Gonna Love You More Than I Do. Anyway, either No One or Nobody's Gonna Love You. The point is, his cover is so sophisticated. He so clearly understands what makes that song work, but because he's always got that heightened slightly ludicrous aesthetic he turns it into this supper club song and it's awesome his arrangement is beautiful his vocal is towering but there also is this chintz to it that is just (laughs) i think he's like teasing out the the melodrama inside the original version of the song which was in that mid-aughts anemic alt-rock vein and you're so right that his ability to do all of these things is because he knows so much. Yeah. Totally spot on. Uh, well, it was a joy to revisit this. Yes. And because uh, he is such a master of genre, I think he will appreciate it when I note, as I have not done in a while, that it's high time Miss Allison Krause did a cover of Fuck You. <laughs> See that it would. I'm ready, Lord. Oh, I've been. Give ready. it to me, please. Just a sweet banjo on that. Some steel git. Let's do it. As I went down in the river to pray, actually I said "fuck you" instead. <laughs> and you know what, Allison? If you were to record that song, we would say "thank you." Thank you. Radio. 
Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. He's in your TV set. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.